long day, long day. Apologies to my very sincere apologies for being <laughs> late to the record. I had such a busy day, and oh my god, you have no idea the stuff I had to go through to get to this record. I'll take it. Okay. That uh, was right. an apology commiserate with the offense. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's was it, uh, I think was. It, was. It, were they saying commiserate or commensurate? Because I heard commensurate. commensurate. Uh, yeah, that's okay. right. What's commiserate? I think I kept... Commiserate, I think. Yeah, if you commiserate is when you sort of like... Um, is is when you, know, you commiserate? Empathize with somebody's misery, I think. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, do you commiserate when you commensurate? Or do you commensurate when you commiserate? Now we're getting I, into our own Seinfeld bit. Yeah, I think you can commiserate in a commensurate way. <laughs> you know, if you... Because someone... You might be, like, commiserating with somebody, and then they'd go, you know what, that, that just doesn't seem sincere to me it just seems like you know you're you're pandering or something and then you know but if you were over the top about it and it was just as hard on you as as them whatever you guys are complaining about i think that would be commensurate (laughs) but i was getting the words confused as i was writing it i was like what is that word and it only is just now when i looked it up i was like oh yeah i forgot commensurate because you enunciated it better than anybody in the episode did and i was like what are they saying i know that's a word but i i didn't stop to like look it up or anything yeah like every time anyone said it in the episode it was commensurate or just very very quick commensurate commensurate yeah commensurate Commensurate. and that's commensurate with the i was like wait what what they say wait 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 yeah yeah (laughs) um and then i didn't care to look it up but i knew it was a word but i think i just kept writing commensurate (laughs) (laughs) which is not a word you have to really enunciate that commensurate Wait, now I don't even know. Now it all just sounds silly again. All right, well, should we get going? <sighs> yeah, we are fired up. Or at least I'm yes. fired up. Anyway. Yes. Uh, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about the season nine finale, season nine, episode 10, Fatwa at the Disco. Another, this is the third <laughs> title with pronunciation, at least, this season. It's definitely um, at least the third that you've added at the disco <laughs> to this season. Anything with an exclamation point, I have to do. So, um, yeah, Fatwa at the disco is not it, a bad... It, it works the best, yeah, because it's does, just the it one does. word. <laughs> and honestly, if anything's going to be a, a parody, Fatwa at the disco <laughs> works very well. Yeah, I kind of want to... <laughs> Start that up somehow. Call up Brendan Yuri and be like, hey, got a very good idea. <laughs> it almost, I almost like it better than Panic at the Disco. I don't know. <laughs> so, but what is before that, though? What's the deal with stuff from our last episode? The Shucker. We didn't have any homework from the episode, but I did find some interesting trivia and tidbits. A cool crossover episode for fans of another long-running show. I think that was on the aforementioned CW that we were talking about. Yannick Truesdale played Lin-Manuel Miranda's agent, Aaron. Lauren Graham, we know, has been on a couple episodes of Curb as Bridget, Larry's girlfriend. Both were regulars on the show Gilmore Girls. She was Lorelai Gilmore, and he played a guy named Michael. That's all I know about him. Or Michelle, because it's spelled without the A, M-I-C-H-E-L. Normally, there's an A in there. Sometimes I think maybe it's like the French pronunciation, Michelle. Or Uh, like Michel. Yeah, or it could just be Michael. I don't know. Gilmore Girl fans... Uh, rise up let us know uh i did find some other interesting trivia and tidbits on here petrie hawkins bird played judge judy's bailiff as he did on the actual judge judy show she played herself he's playing himself uh, affectionately known as bird he was on 
a mind-blowing I, I, that's this is why I have to mention it 7281 episodes of Jesus Judge Judy Christ. <laughs> and we make fun of ridiculousness for their production schedule 7281 episodes that is nuts my yeah. god but when you think about it I mean I, I should have looked it up I forget when Judge Judy started but I remember at my at my job in high school uh, a, a sort of I don't know a run-in with Judge Judy round in a roundabout way Judge Judy I want to see when it started have you watched any of her in... new show Judy Justice I have not 96 so 96 okay yeah and that I went know. until and, and like 2018 2021 2021 yeah. okay yeah I have not seen Judy Justice it's uh, on... it sounds like a Nickelodeon cartoon character it does it does <laughs> but it's I have on... no idea it's on the uh, uh, widely known streaming service <laughs> of IMDb TV. Oh, I see. It's also on Freevee. So it's one of those that jumps <laughs> Amazon Freevee. So I guess it kind of jumps around. Uh, you know, it's one of those that's syndicated kind of wherever you wherever you can find it. Um, probably on Pluto, probably on Tubi. Yeah, but I was just amazed that. So I guess, I don't know, across over, what is it, 15 years, that maybe, you know, 7,300 episodes is not that many, but it sure sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like a new one every day for 15 I mean, years. yeah, if they're, doing, if they're doing uh, maybe the Jeopardy schedule, I think, uh, did we yeah. did we discover it was five episodes a day? That's what we posited, just because those shows that crank them out like that, like, that's what they do. She works for, like, a week, and then she's done for the year. That's I'd imagine that's how it's done. Something like that, yeah. Maybe it's like, you know, maybe it's three episodes one day to the next or something. But yeah, I know, I know they they crank them out. And that's just crazy. The weird thing is on IMDb, Judy Scheinland herself is only credited in 7,241 episodes. So wait, so like there's 30... 40 episodes that Judge Judy didn't do? <laughs> yeah, I guess. What? I don't know why the discrepancy is there, but I thought that was weird. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she was out for a month or something and bird stuck around i have no idea by the way i have to mention so the reason i remember talking about judge judy at my job in high school was i was a um what would you call it i guess a, a bellhop i was a concierge i worked at a hotel but not at the front desk or anything i was like literally a helper like it was an omni hotel so it was nice but not in such a nice area where people expected someone else to carry their bag so i did that like once a day maybe that was my gig Actually, one time I, I carried the bags of Gerald Levert uh, or Gerald Levert or Levert, mm. whatever, whatever that whoever the R and B singer is who was in LSG with um with the uh, the much more famous Luther Vandross. So oh, okay. Levert was the L in LSG. What was Luther that? Maybe Luther was the, I don't know. Okay, yeah. So Luther was the L, <laughs> and Gerald was the G. Yeah. It was their first names, not their last names. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I thought you said LSV. Right, that would make sense, uh, and I probably did the first time because I was giving Levert the L. But no, Luther's not going to take third billing or or any billing, you know, besides first. So yeah, and, and th that was like a ton of bags, and I don't remember getting a very good tip. However, I had th someone show these three girls showed up. Each of them had like a tiny little duffel bag, like a gym bag. Each of them had a gym bag, and they wanted me to take them up. I was like, all right, you know, and I even got the little rolly thing to do it with, and and took it up to the room, and they tipped me. $20 nice. for three tiny gym bags. And I was like, holy shit. Okay. I like yeah, just made my sure. night. And yeah. that was like late 90s? Yeah. Yeah. Like 90. I don't remember when I worked there. I'm like 98, 97, something like that. Um, 99. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And God, maybe it was 2000. Anyway, it was something somewhere around there. Doesn't matter. Somewhere in that window. Later on, they came back down and they were like just talking at the front desk with us. And they... They were like, oh, yeah, we don't really know each other. We just kind of met because the same guy is cheating on us with each other. 
and we're what? surprising him here. Yeah. Oh fuck no. <laughs> oh, that's and, bad. Oh. And one of the girls said she was judged bad for Judy's him. daughter. Very good for them. Oh my god. Yeah, very cool for them. But one of the girls said she was <laughs> Judge Judy's daughter. She was like, "Yeah, I'm Judge Holy Judy's." Shit. I know. And and you know, this was like pre-smartphones and stuff, so I couldn't like Google her right then. Yeah. But I remember looking later on, and Judge Judy has a shitload of kids and grandkids and stuff like that yeah and i think one time i found a picture of all of them together maybe it was she was judge judy's grandkid at the time but she was already like in her in her 20s or something so i don't know all, all of these details are pretty hazy because they're 30 years old you know but and and they didn't make enough of a commotion that when the guy showed up we even knew when it took place you know that that was the last i saw of the three of them so you know i, I don't know what happened actually with the guy who but, I mean, I, I took her word for it because I was like, why would you make up your Judge Judy's kid or grandkid or whatever it was? And she tipped me $20 on three tiny bags. So, obviously, money wasn't so crazy. To, Just looked to it do up. Uh, Judge yeah. Judy's got uh, five kids. Uh, I think that's a lot. Yeah, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good number. I mean, as someone yeah. who has zero and you're someone yeah. who has two, um, right. that's, a, that's a lot. That's more than both of us combined. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's five more than if you multiplied the number of kids we each have. Totally. <laughs> it's double the, I don't know, now, I, now I've lost the math. But, um, but yeah, so maybe it was grandkid and, or something like that. Because I did find like a picture of her extended family and remember it being gigantic and going, you know what, from my fuzzy either freshman in college or senior in high school well, memory. I that. mean... It, it, it kind of tracks because Judge Judy's uh, born in 42. This was late 90s. I'm guessing this girl was probably like uh, early 20s or so, maybe. Probably. Yeah. Okay, Again, that early... kind of skews as your. Yeah, I, er, I feel er... like we've talked about this before. Have we talked about this before? No. No. Oh, okay. Have. Wow. So All this right. put this would put her being born late 70s, maybe very early 80s. Yeah. Uh, which would be, I don't know, when Judge Judy was 50? ish i think that that's possible yeah all this sounds all this sounds right let's see judge judy was born in uh she's 81 now oh so it would be uh, judge judy was late 30s early 40s wow. uh if if this person was her child and not grandchild that that tracks i think because you know if judge judy's 40 and she was yeah. you know in her oh, 20s that kind of makes sense she does only have one daughter nicole Scheinlin. oh boy i did not know that maybe it was there's probably no pictures of her there is. There's plenty of them. Oh. And she's 56 currently. So, Tim, she would have been 26-ish at the time. I can say for a fact this looks nothing like the woman in my memory. Okay, then maybe granddaughter. Yeah, maybe it was granddaughter. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, this... this girl graduated New York Law School in 1993, and she's the co-founder, oh, no. CEO, and driving force be behind her uh, her honor mentoring. Yeah, no way. Definitely not her. <laughs> I might have to. I might have to go down this rabbit hole once again and, and see if I can find. It, it was just a weird, you know, a weird um, instance in my life of of Judge Judy. It's like, okay, I have no reason to doubt you. It's a weird thing to say, you know. It's not going to get a reaction. None of us were like impressed. Like, oh, cool. Like, you know. So um, you could have picked something cooler. Like, I'm, you know, uh, let me think, Katie Couric's daughter or something. <laughs> I'm trying I mean, to go back like, to the '90s on this. Uh, one of uh, one of the down voters, like favorite like icebreaker lies for two truths and a lie and i'm totally blowing up his spot here is eh. to say that he was one of the babies in the movie the titanic because there's absolutely no way nice. you can track that 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not like, credited what, what, or anything. No, they're, they're not. They're not going to credit the baby <laughs> in one of like the ballroom scenes. I mean, if yeah. they are, then props to James Cameron and and the whole team. But like, I doubt yeah. they're going to credit the baby. Yeah, very nice. It would be very nice of him to credit all of the extras in that movie, including the infants. <laughs> I'm sure everyone got paid uh, and and recompensate you know compensated as much as they needed to. I did want to mention this I found interesting because something newsworthy kind of happened in the world of Hamilton, but the guy playing Hamilton in this episode is Michael Luoye, and he joined Hamilton on Broadway in August of 2016 as the alternate to Javier Munoz for the role of Alexander Hamilton. And so Javier was the guy who took over when Lin-Manuel left, and so this guy Michael was that guy's understudy. He was then given the uh, title role in Hamilton's National Touring Company beginning in March of 2017 with a 21-week engagement in San Francisco, followed by 21 weeks in Los Angeles, including, or I'm sorry, concluding at the Pantages Theater December 30th, 2017, that run during which, of course, this storyline of Curb was uh, filmed. Uh, Luoye returned to Broadway in the title role of Hamilton in January of 2018, his last performance was February 17th, 2019. And I mentioned all this because for some reason, I, you know, I guess my phone was listening to me and how much the word Hamilton was being said <laughs> because this random post from Al Roker, who I do not follow, but it was suggested for me, popped up on my Instagram that he was at the final performance of Miguel Cervantes in the title role of Hamilton. And he performed that role longer than any other actor. So even longer then Lin-Manuel Miranda, this guy who is now leaving, uh, has performed the role. And I love this quote from Lin-Manuel, uh, who, who thanked him on stage and said, to find anyone who has portrayed Alexander Hamilton longer, you would have to go back to the 1700s, which Holy I thought was shit. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so there you go. Just a little bit of Hamilton news that happens to coincide with our uh, Hamilton storyline in right. Curb. Uh- do we yeah. uh any other big news no. any uh any uh, continuity that needs curbed or anything i don't think so i mean i i haven't even read it yet but i know there was a huge write-up of curb your enthusiasm with a lot of the principles in what magazine was it la times so they, mm. they did a huge write-up because it's the last season everybody knows and uh you know so you might have seen the picture in a, a diner or something like that of of larry and leon and richard lewis Ted and Cheryl. So I, I haven't even read the article yet, but you know, if you're uh, want some tidbits about the new season and how everyone feels about it ending, check that out in LA Times. Okay. Well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. Despite the last twenty-four minutes being almost exclusively research and bullshit, we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following, as though we we're giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter, NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com, or you can just slide into our DMs at NoHugging underscore NoLearning 
on Instagram. If you like us, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating over on Spotify. It really does help the show out, helps us get in front of more ears, in front of more people. If you've already done that, maybe you like us a little bit more than that, consider joining us over on Patreon. You can get the first seven days free for the It's a Hyundai tier, and you can get early access to extended versions of every single episode that we put out. Actually, speaking of the Patreon, I do have a few other things to mention here because I got Nate Collins who commented on the accidental text on purpose saying, off topic, I'm in LA next month. Which iconic curb locations should I try to visit? Ooh, damn. Man, that's a tough one. I know it's kind of on the spot for you, but it's on on Patreon. If you think of anything, uh, go, go ahead and reply to him because... Uh, he's still, as of this record, he's still got, uh, I think like a, a week and a half until he's going to be in LA. Okay. All right. Anything pop into your mind? I'm trying to think of great, great curb locations. I don't know. All right. I'll have to think about it. I, I would say, honestly, just take, um, what lot did Seinfeld film on? I, I know that's not curb, but. Right. I don't remember. Was it the, I know they, I don't know. We talked about it enough. Was it the universal lot or the Fox lot? It might've been. It was not the Universal lot because we did a backlot tour of Universal, and it was. It, it, I, I don't think it was that. Uh, we also did the Warner tour, and I, I wore my Seinfeld shirt, and they're like, "That's the wrong show," and they they, <laughs> they kicked me out because obviously Friends was on the Warner lot. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, uh, Nate's looking for some uh, some LA locations to try and visit. Also, over on our uh, post for Namaste. Uh, episode 7 of Season 9. Nate Collins also says, Weirdly, I started rewatching Lost for the first time in 20 years on Friday. Because we were talking yeah. about t- talking about Lost and possibly yeah. shifting into a Lost podcast <laughs> post-Curb. Uh, one more. Uh, this is an email from Stone Horton, new listener uh, to the show. Stone says, Hey guys, I'm Stone. I've been a fan of you since you started watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, which is... Yeah, Stone, I think you're the first person to jump on board when we started talking about Curb. <laughs> so so thank yeah. you for that. Uh, Stone says, uh, I had a catch for the Never Wait for Seconds episode. The Council of Mufti that Larry's brought in front of are speaking Arabic while his fatwa was from the Iranian Ayatollah, which would speak Farsi. Just that it was a minor but interesting detail. Please keep up the show, and I hope you guys find a new task to do on the pod after Curb Your Enthusiasm. Well, thanks. We're taking suggestions. Thanks for that awesome tidbit. That's the kind of thing that should be on the IMDb Goofs page. Absolutely. You know? Stone, you got to register that's an amazing. IMDb account if you don't have one already. Yeah. Because that's that's the shit that we're looking for with, yeah. with uh, this, this trivia and tidbits. Not uh, just totally made up shit like that one guy had. <laughs> I don't even remember his name at this point. Michael Perry. I'll never forget. Michael Perry. It's burned into your memory now. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you can join us over on patreon.com slash no hugging and join the likes of Dan. Just regular Dan. Uh, (laughs) Liam M. H-E. Oh, wait. You know what? I'm doing... uh, 
I'm doing the full list again. Uh, regular Dan, we got Liam M, Michael Klatsky, Derek Wayne, at least for a few uh, more more days. Uh, Nate Collins, obviously. Tamara Ortiz, guys and gals over at the Idiotville Podcast. John Murphy, Danica Ligorio, J Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Thank you guys so much once again. Patreon.com slash no hugging if you want to support the podcast we didn't actually do this uh maybe the week prior or the the week before that but tim that's not the only way they can support the podcast right that's right you can start your own podcast the same place we started our podcast and that's libsyn l-i-b-s-y-n go to libsyn.com and use the promo code hugging when you sign up you can get up to two months free to start your podcast journey with the promo code hugging and, of course, that link is down in the description. So, all of that being said, Season 9, Episode 10, Fatwa! Exclamation point. Uh, mm-hmm. Original air date, December 3rd, 2017. And if you are looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Season 9 finale. Period. <laughs> Larry has a scheduling conflict, comma, takes issue with some work associates, comma, and hosts a pair of ungrateful house guests. Period. Wow. I knew last week, I knew I'd hate the middle part, and I think I do, because it encompasses so much, it becomes generic. Yeah. Um, so, because Larry takes issue with blank, could be a part of every single episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, and you could just lump everybody. Larry takes issue with people. <laughs> Larry takes issue with society. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, we might have to try to make it better at the end, although I, I don't know... Uh, it might be tough. This is another long boy, by the way. I, I warned Ted about it, uh, and he still wasn't able to start the episode early because of work. Um, but we got another, I don't know, is it, what was it, 48, 44? It was 48 minutes. 48 it it minutes. seems to be yeah. any time that we get anything with uh, something that's supposed to be a TV show, a musical, <laughs> especially when it's in a season finale, oh, it's gotta, it's gotta play 10 to 15 minutes of the real musical. Like, fuck yeah. off. It doesn't gotta- need to. Although... I will say I appreciated it because it was it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we open at Fatwa the musical rehearsal. Lin Manuel Miranda and fucking awesome Murray Abraham are <laughs> <laughs> to revisit one of my favorite jokes from last week. Uh, they are you know rehearsing a song I guess called "I Do Not Like This Man," which I thought was like the 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 chorus. I mean the the verses are kind of par for the chorus. Like Lin Manuel has a. A style you know if you're listening to Hamilton if you're listening to Moana if you're listening to Encanto if you're listening to in the Heights you can you can listen to something and go <laughs> you can this was composed one yeah. Lin-Manuel show and listen to every Lin-Manuel show yes you are yeah, correct you can go this was composed by Lin-Manuel Miranda just like you can with like I don't know Eminem like anybody who raps like they have their own style they have their own place where they rhyme they have their own meter they have their own rhythm and and so I mean it's not a bad thing but it just had that feel but it also had the feel of like something Lin Manuel wrote to be in a TV show and never heard again because I do not like this man was like a horrible chorus. <laughs> it like made me angry at how bad it was now, uh, whenever they'd say it. <laughs> the other funny part of this song, I do not like this man, enemies forever, is how it ends with them <laughs> facing each other. I'm like, that's so shitty. But. <laughs> Everyone is amazed with it in the audience. Uh, you know, Jeff and Larry are sitting there watching it and uh, the director and everything. And Larry picks a poster for the show. 
And he even he gives F. Murray Abraham some notes about, you know, he was like, you were, you were sort of denunciating with your fists as the Ayatollah, but, you know, I noticed the Ayatollah uses a finger. And F. Murray Abraham, like, actually kind of likes the feedback, and it, and it works. So everything's, like, really going great uh, with Larry. He walks up, and he talks a little bit to Lin-Manuel Miranda and Nick Offerman. Yes! Who, uh, of course, uh, playing Cody the stagehand, <laughs> but Nick Offerman himself, already a big star at this point, Parks and Rec, had been off the air for about two years and ended in 2015. So, um, again, this fall this falls solidly in cameo. Oh, yeah. Like, he was already meme and uh, number one seller of merchandise for Parks and Recreation oh, at yeah. this point with his uh, grumpy demeanor. Larry wants to add back there's a fatwa, which I guess was the opening number that had, you know, he had been using that, you know, Lin-Manuel was even, like, freestyling a little bit in his office on. Like, there's a fatwa, there's a fatwa. Lin is, is not really feeling it. And we find out previews are in a week, and Larry wants to do something for the crew and, and the cast uh, to thank them for all their hard work getting us to this point. And, and he suggests going out for a paintball, and Lynn thinks that'd be a great idea. So, you know, Larry's going to set all that up, paintball with the cast and crew. Uh, in wardrobe, Lynn will not stop complaining to the wardrobe master. It's now about the wrong tweed on his vest. He wants to see more vest options. Lynn asks Larry if his cousin Valentina... Their Airbnb fell through, so can she stay with you? Because this is a good enough reason. Hotels are not their thing. Well, you know what? Mm. You make them make them your thing. That's insane to me. First of all, there's got to be another Airbnb somewhere in Los Angeles. Yeah, <laughs> At least what one. The fuck? But also, <laughs> there's make... <laughs> no Airbnbs available in Los Angeles. Come on. I but can also, book one right now if I wanted to. You could book two or three probably for the same week like Valentina was going to have to try to do. But also make hotel your thing. Like we find out later what their thing is and why it I, – I still think it would work in a hotel. It, it probably does. I think it would work best Every in a single hotel. day somewhere on earth, yeah. yeah I, I think yeah, it, would it would work, work remarkably well in a hotel. So when Larry – Says, uh, yeah, sure, they can stay with me because, you know, because Lynn's like, yeah, I'm renting a house, but it's just really small. He calls it a one bedroom. I was like, again, you cannot. I find it hard to believe you rented a one bedroom house <laughs> somewhere for yourself. When Larry says, OK, Lynn gives him like a, all right, thank you. And kind of like turns around. And Larry's like, that thank you wasn't really commensurate with the gesture. You know, I'm, I'm offering to house these two people from your family and you gave me a thank you like i passed the ketchup to you and so lynn tries to make it up with him with a with a better thank you but it, you know larry is still still not feeling his thank you over at vicente which uh vicente ristorante was at a, a 11930 san vicente boulevard in brentwood it closed in 2022 after 25 years and was replaced by the oddly named Teleferic Barcelona, which the word teleferic, I, I kind of like it. It's T-E-L-E-F-E-R-I-C. It's like telephone. It's terrific. It's it's not either. Teleferic. Yeah, it's, teleferic. It's an odd one for yeah. sure. Ferric, I know. I, I kind of see like the root word of something that would be iron-based in there, I think. Uh, there's only one R, though. I don't know. It's it's a confusing word and, and titillating um, <laughs> to me. Uh, but then I also, so in the stories about them replacing uh, Vicente, they plastered this like over the windows while they were remodeling. And this, they were like, oh, you know, coming soon. Teleferic Barcelona, something to top us about. Uh... And I'm like, oh my God, that pun is such a stretch. <laughs> they even had to put a dash between tapas and bout so that you knew they were trying to say like something to talk about. And because otherwise it's like, 
wait, is it like going to be like a boxing ring and tapas or something? Because a tapas bout sounds like, you know, a fight with it, tapas. I don't know. It, it's, it's, it sounds very close to topless bout. Yeah. Tapas always sounds very much like topless. Yeah, too. So, but something to tapas bout, I'm like, even I would have taken another, like, I'm a copywriter now for all intents and purposes. And I don't think I would. <laughs> Like, even submit that for approval. Let's know? give us something to <laughs> top us about. Yeah. It, it's like, kind of, it's good for, like, a pun. It's good for a tweet. Yeah. It's a bit of a stretch, though, to put on the window during the entire remodel process. <laughs> um, it would have made me mad if I had to walk by it every day. Top us about? That was what you guys came up with? Jeff and Susie and Larry are at the Ristorante waiting for Marty Funkhauser, who is always late. And they're like, you know, let's just sit down. But the hostess says, we can't seat you without your entire party, which is a policy that I see at restaurants a lot. It's never usually a problem, but this is a very common thing. Not that Larry should be upset at it, because I kind of agree with him that they're like, well, yeah, the chef likes everybody to sit down all at once for like the optimal dining experience that everybody starts at the same time. And Larry's like, you know what the optimal dining experience would be? Eating when you're hungry. But <laughs> she is unwavering in being able to seat people without the entire party. Uh, Saturday, Susie reminds Larry, is Sammy's wedding. And Larry is like, oh, Saturday is when I'm going paintballing. And he did not save the date. So what a hilarious payoff to earlier when he was like, why are you sending save the date? Why does everybody have to save the date? Uh, and complaining about that because even though he got to save the date and an invitation, he did not save the date. And he says he's going to be able to do both. Paintball in the morning and then Sammy's wedding in the afternoon. Don't worry about it. And Larry's like, you know what? I'm starving. Everybody's like just so hangry at this point. And so Larry's going to take care of it. He approaches a woman that is alone at the bar who happens to be Casey Wilson. Also, uh, you know, relatively famous comedic actress at this point. You recognize yeah. her, right? Uh, yes, but a tale as old as time. I don't know what from, though. Yeah, she was on a season or two of SNL. I think maybe just one from like 08 to 09. Uh, she was nominated for two Critics' Choice Awards, I think, for Happy Endings, which was uh, an ABC show that ran for a couple seasons as well. Very critically acclaimed. I never watched it, but uh, a lot of people didn't. But one of those, one of those kind of comedies. <laughs> critically acclaimed. Nobody watched it. Most recently, uh, she gets the No Hugging, No Learning seal of approval for saying that Tim Allen was a huge bitch on the Santa Claus TV show That was show her. Set. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if she said huge. I think she just said Tim Allen was a bitch, uh, which, which is enough for me to, to you know, uh, to, like I said, give her the seal of approval. Um, oh, my God. Wait yeah. a minute. What Wait else? a minute. I think I know how I know her. She... Okay, she was in The Disaster Artist, the movie about the making yeah. of The Room, the Tommy Wiseau movie. I saw that, but I don't remember who she was. Was she like one of the... She, she was uh, one of the casting directors on the set oh. of the movie. Okay, wow, that can't be That can't be how I know her. Yeah, I don't remember her in that, but I saw it a long time ago. She's she's done a ton of stuff. She's just one of those one of those actors. All right, I'm looking at the rest of her filmography and i'm not seeing anything else so yeah i, I think it's just i probably seen her in a, a bunch of bunch of smaller things yeah i, I don't know smaller from, roles anyway she was in gone girl which i don't remember i have wanted to watch that again though because i know sarah will love it um but we haven't sat down and watched it again julie and julia i know i saw a lot of stuff oh she did uh, some on the life and times of tim love that show larry recruits her to be the fourth member of their party so they can sit down and eat and she'll uh, you know, be the placeholder for Marty Funkhauser. 
So at the table, we find out that um, this character is an actress, and she has a couple of lines that are so funny that I can't believe that no one at the table laughed. Like, I know Curb is not that kind of show, but, like, I feel like a a studio audience would have been going wild, but maybe it's just that she delivered them so dryly that no one at the table reacts. But she's like, well, you know, I feel like at 36, there's no better profession to do as a woman later in life than actress. <laughs> that was so fucking funny. Which yeah, no. is unfortunately very funny because, oh my God, it's not accurate whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, 36 <laughs> is like you're playing great grandmas in stuff, in like a scene, unfortunately. Um, I think no... it's getting better, it seems there's... like. Oh, you yeah, know. yeah. There's no better actress to do, or there's no better job to do as a woman late in, later life, in life than as an actress. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah, it, it, and so that it was so funny that I and all these people are in show business that I can't believe no one laughed. Like, but and so I was like, well, was the character being sarcastic or was she being? It's like such an out there line that I'm like, it sounded know. like she was being sarcastic and people should have laughed. But you know, maybe she's dumb. <laughs> like, or something. I mean, we kind of get the impression that she's yeah, dumb by just right. you know lack of social awareness, really. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right because the next line is just as funny and. So she realizes who Larry is. She's like, "Well, oh, you're that writer." Um, she's like, "You know, can I give you a card?" She's like, "I've never been, I've never done comedy, but it doesn't seem that hard." <laughs> <laughs> so that line was delivered with the same tone, and so I think you're right that she's just dumb and says stuff, you know, that that doesn't make any sense, but believes it. Like, oh, comedy doesn't seem that hard, uh, you know. Even though a lot of dramatic actors say it's harder than what they have done on screen, yeah. like, oh my gosh, well, I did comedy, and that's. That's the toughest thing I've ever done. Like, I can cry. I can get angry or whatever. But, yeah, making people laugh. So I thought that was hilarious. Uh, her The name on her card is Marie Deschamps, but her real name is Jenny Johnson. Uh, <laughs> she has changed it. I know a Jenny Johnson, by the way. Do That's you really? Thing. Yeah. Uh, not an I, actress. I was going to say, I loved the reveal of this. Marie Deschamps. Is that your real last name? No, it's Johnson. And Marie, is that your real first name? No, it's Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The way they asked. They had to ask for both. And she knows that the uh, the fatwa, you know, she's like, wait, what are you doing out? He's like, no, I got lifted. And then Jeff brings up the idea. He's like, how does everybody know it's over? You know, like, remember the uh, the Japanese soldiers that were on, you know, shot down on islands and they didn't know the war was over? Like, what if someone just didn't get the news that the fatwa is over? And Larry is now worried about that and, you know, sort of yells at Jeff for, um, you know, not keeping that stupid thought in his head that's going to make him worry. And then Marty Funkhauser shows up and they kick out. So it's revealed earlier uh, that, you know, Maria's gotten a lot of work as a stand in. So they they have her. She looks like an actress enough that she can stand in a scene. They can get the lighting right. And then the actual actress can come in and do the scene. Well, she was sort of being the stand in for Marty Funkhauser. And now they're kicking her out instead of, you know, getting Marty a chair. He's like, well, yeah, the, 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 I figure what Larry says, like the first team's here. So, you know, you're you're out. So sorry, uh, but I think it was a pretty good deal for her, um, you know, to sit down, have some bread, drink her drink, you know, make a great industry connection. Um, yeah, for and, sure. Yeah. And then leave um, as the stand in. Uh, but I like Larry's exploration in this episode of real life stand ins. You know, like what if you could hire a stand in for real life? Um, and, he's, you know, he's going to delve more into that. Um, but Larry asks for an apology and Marty just kind of gives a little like, oh, sorry. And Larry's like, if I was as late as you are, I'd be apologizing like I killed your family. 
great line from Funkhauser. You did kill my family. Remember my <laughs> nephew? He went running with the bulls because of you. And we get one of Larry's classic sorry. <laughs> like it has 12 different intonations in it. Um, and so over at the theater, uh, which I could tell by the front had the address of 2016. And so happened to be the Alex Theater at 2016 North Brand Boulevard. It opened in 1925, your classic, or, or I guess neoclassic, uh, Greek and Egyptian movie house, like that sort of architecture style. And one of Walt Disney's favorite places to screen his cartoons because it was right down the street from his uh, animation studio. And so he would, you know, bring them down there and let audiences see him. And it was also where the 2017 finale of RuPaul's Drag Race took place at oh, the Alex shit. Theater. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so they still show movies. You know, it's, they still have a screen and stuff, but it, you know, concerts and and stuff like that take place there as well. And Fatwa the musical. And as Larry walks in, everybody is thanking LD for paintball. They can't wait uh, to go. It's such a cool gesture. Larry's really won over the cast and crew. Cody, though, that's Nick Offerman's stage manager's name. Cody can't go because he's you know got to shoot this commercial. And Larry asks him, "What are you getting for that?" And he's like, "1,200 bucks, my day rate." And Larry's like, I'll tell you what, I'll take care of that. Tell him you can't do it. You you know, you still get paid and you can come do paintball with the crew. And Cody gives Larry the thank you of his dreams. He is so grateful and lets it show. And Larry's like, you know what? It's worth it for that thank you. The, the you know, the twelve hundred bucks is worth it to buy a yeah. thank you like he's that. got he's got a very good thank you. Yeah, great. Nick Offerman gets up in his high register, which he doesn't do very often, but he gets up in that like high giggly register that sometimes he does. And uh, then F. Murray Abraham, uh, as he's walking by Larry, notices he's wearing the same pants. Didn't you wear those pants yesterday? And Larry gets very upset that F. Murray Abraham might be an outfit tracker. And <laughs> this is one of my biggest fears as a human walking around on Earth. I Being constantly... tracked? With your yeah, outfits. constantly because because I wear, especially specifically with pants, I'll wear a pair of jeans for like a month, like conservatively, and then I'll I'll switch. I have like three pairs of jeans. And, okay, a month is yeah. a long time. A month is a long time. Are you wearing them every day for a month? I would say every day ish because I'm still on like Ooh. a hybrid schedule. So like you know, some Tuesdays I don't have to put pants on, so I just wear you know that's, I just wear my jammy pants. That's very um, true. Okay, so I'm I'm on a hybrid like pants schedule. I will yeah. typically make two pairs of pants last for the week. I will do a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday pair, and mm-hmm. then I'll do a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday pair. I like that. That's and, probably and, what I should be doing. And sometimes if, like this week, I'm only introducing one new pair of pants into last week's rotation because I only worked half a week. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I will throw in a pair of khakis. Like to, when I go to work, I'll wear like a nice, you know, this this pair of chinos I have just to kind of throw throw everybody, throw the outfit trackers off. Yeah. You know? But yeah. someone like last week noticed something about my pants and I was like, well, got to, uh, you know, month is up, buddy. I don't know how long it's been, but you can't come back to work next week. Uh, or, you know, tomorrow, whenever it was. Um, yeah, it was Thursday, and I was going on Friday. So, yeah, I was like, can't come back to work tomorrow. Someone noticed something about you, so you're going in the wash. But I wear my, you know, jeans. And, like, I also worry about, you know, my sweaters and, and stuff are, and T-shirts, whatever, are stacked. And I'm like, all right, so the one on top is probably the most recent one. So I pull from the bottom. and then. But sometimes I'm like, wait, didn't I, did I pull this one from the bottom? 
and wear it or did I pull it from the bottom to like see how it looked with this je- the jeans or whatever or and then put it back like I you know sometimes they get mixed up and so I'm like you know the sweater's kind of unique are people going to go wait I just saw him in that sweater like yesterday or last week or whatever like I don't know I just worry that that people are, are tracking my outfit exactly the same way that, <laughs> that Larry does it makes you self-conscious a little bit um and and then and then you just have to like all right well I I'd rather not risk it, so I just got to pick a, another um, another sweater completely or something like that. In wardrobe, Lynn says to Larry that he got a signer for the show, which again is a very common thing that Larry has no idea exists. Um, you know, you go to big concerts, you go yeah, to but musicals. Larry doesn't go to big concerts. Larry doesn't yeah. go to big musicals. Larry doesn't do things. We know he went to see you too. I'd venture to say there was probably a signer at that. You know, these signers always go viral, like the signer mm. at, at Metallica who like was headbanging and stuff and signing <laughs> at the same time. You know, the, or the signer at Beyonce who was like getting funky with it and stuff. Um, you know, the, it's it's it is a profession, and they do show up at stuff like this. But uh, this conversation was funny though because he was like, he was like, I got a signer. He's like for deaf people, and uh, and Lin Manuel's response was so dumb again, like, and anyone who enjoys American Sign Language. What? <laughs> People are going to come and just go, oh, I really like American. You know, it, it was just a, a funny, weird thing to say. But Larry's like, why don't we just have like one show a month and all the deaf people can come to that one? And Lynn's like, you want to <laughs> segregate wanna... the deaf people? <laughs> Larry trying to come to his own defense. He's like, no, no. He's like, yeah, I get it. Separate, but equal. Jesus yeah. Christ. And Larry's response like, no, no, no. Special but equal. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Larry, if only like the segregationists of Ooh. the of the nineteen if only you could go back in time and tell them that, you know, like don't say separate but equal, say special but equal. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so much better. Better optics. And so uh, Larry is worried that Lynn Manuel is angering because he's like he's wearing a robe and he's like, I-, I don't like this. Show me your other robes. And Larry's worried that Lynn is angering the wardrobe master. And Lynn's response here is too, like, uh, well, if he doesn't come out with a good rope, I don't give a fuck or something like that. The way he said it was hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I don't give a fuck. Uh, it was very funny. And then Valentina and her husband Ernst show up, a.k.a. Flula Borg. Yes. <laughs> who is a guy that I have no idea why he is famous. I know who he is. I can I can pick I... out his voice when he does voiceover work, which he does a ton. I see I know him what... with Conan a lot. I, I don't know, know where who he came he is from. From at midnight. That's who I. That's how I learned who Flula Borg is. Was he a YouTuber? Um, who became like who like exited who who somehow jumped out of the YouTube? YouTube? Stream? No, I, I think okay. he was a Viner. Oh wow, that would make even more sense. Yeah, I'm like, why do I know who this guy is? Is he a stand-up? Is he? I, I just never. I never see him. I mean, I know he's an actor now, but I'm like, where did he come from? It just seems like he he just popped up out of nowhere. And I know he gets on with Conan. Very well. He, might, like he his, might be a comedian that was also on Vine. I yeah, with, he like broke his, through on Vine. Yeah, with like, with yeah. with uh, the roles that he's gotten, I struggle to think that he was just a regular guy on Vine. Right, right. Like he's he is an actor, but he is also German. Like yes. he, like his, his yeah, accent no, he's is not, not an actor. He's not doing like an German. Andy Kaufman. Yeah, he's not doing like a foreign guy character. Even though he is, he's like doing a foreign guy character. That doesn't work on me. Like, I'll admit that. It, like, sometimes I'll chuckle at stuff he does, but... It, because for, he's for the most part, his and he sounds weird. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's that's and, what that's what middle America thinks of Flula <laughs> Borg. But obviously, it, it works on a lot of people because it, 
you know, it, it's gotten him where he is today. Yeah, I mean, that, whole, sure. that whole thing. Yeah. And I know that, you know, that Conan works really well off of it, you know, but, but I, but again, anytime I see him, I'm like, why do I know you? Why are you so omnipresent, Flulaborg? Uh, <laughs> and they have a weird, he and, uh, so Ernst and Valentina have like a weird low energy vibe. Like sometimes they get excited about, you know, the wardrobe department or something yeah. like, oh well, yeah, they, I'd love to. They, yeah. They've got a lot of energy. Obviously, whenever they come in, they see Lin-Manuel, they meet him, they, they yeah. are looking at the wardrobe. And they meet Larry, and it's way down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're very uh, stoic and low energy. And they even give Larry a very tepid thank you when he mentions, you know, again, that they're staying at his house. And he, you know, he's like, well, now I know where you get your tepid thank yous from. It obviously runs in the Miranda family. If everybody is like this, like, oh, yes, thank you very much. So uh, back at rehearsal, the signer comes out. And she has ample cleavage and is distracting <laughs> everyone in the audience and on stage, for that matter. There are actors who don't remember their lines because they're staring at her breasts. And... This was a, a very good <laughs> reveal, too, because they, they call for the end of the scene and she's got a playbill like up like to her face. And they're like, all right, sign her. Puts that yeah. down, and immediately, you know where this is going. I was laughing so hard as soon as she put that playbill down, because I knew what was going to happen. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, this was a fun little funny mini storyline <laughs> uh, signer with, I could see Larry going like, that's kind of a funny idea. What are these, one of these sign language, like it, it's distracting anyway, but, and honestly, like they put her on a part of the stage. Normally the signer is down off the stage they're like in yeah. front of the stage yeah and she's yeah, and they, on they the don't stage normally have the like they don't normally have a stage light on them no 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 they'll have like a little you know you know like desk uplight. lamp yeah like yeah. a little yeah like with the but that's about the strength of a desk light just so that everyone in that general area can see them um they are not on stage like this but it's just so it was a funny i could see larry going uh what if one of those people had big tits let's just see how that <laughs> is funny and, and it is because uh, everyone's staring at it. And Larry's like getting pissed at everybody instead of like enjoying them as well because the director's staring at him and, and the <laughs> actors are getting thrown off and, and everything. Um, and and he even says after the scene, you know, the director's like, uh, you know, oh, that was good. He's like, oh, you should try to watch it next time. He's like, I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> Larry goes up and like argues with Lynn Manuel over the scene and, and whether it's working or not. Cause Lynn was like, you know, it felt kind of flat. I think the reasons that he's getting kicked out of places are kind of petty. And Larry thinks it's, it fell flat because nobody was actually paying attention to the scene. They were paying attention to the tits. And so they have a huge argument about that. And um, Lynn Manuel's like, you know, Larry's like, fine, I'll, I'll come up with some better, uh, you know, excuses for kicking him out. And Lynn's, you know, and Lynn's like, it, it was a scene. Sorry. And Larry's like, insufficient sorry that was an insufficient sorry for what you're making me do uh so back at home larry realizes he's giving cody too much to come to paintball because he's like well wait a minute his day rate's 1200 bucks he wasn't gonna get all that Ta taxes are gonna take most of it I, like i owe him 700 bucks maybe and then uh, uh you know so leon and, and larry talk about that situation and how uh, larry I, I i didn't understand the fica joke here whether larry was fica or whether he's getting fica'd uh, or something like that, but they play around with that a little bit. Ernst, if, he, if, yeah. if he was FICA, instead of getting fucked, he's getting FICA'd. He's getting fiked. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it's that something was, I like think that, that was the, the, whole, the whole bit, really. I yeah. don't think there, was there supposed to be something deeper to it? No, I don't, I don't think so. I just missed okay. how they were using, how they were verbing the word FICA or whatever in this situation. And it, it doesn't sound like a really 
was much depth to it anyway. It doesn't sound like it really landed. Um, but Ernst and Valentina show up, and I like Leon's interview before they enter. Like, especially the part where he's like, you know, uh, they make that bag for men. Or, what, you know, he's like, uh, which is a funny, like, insult to say to people. He's like, and, and Flula's like, yes, they, this is for men or women or anybody who likes carrying things. Um, <laughs> but Leon's like giving them, like, a, a survey as they walk in um, that, that delves into their wedding proposal and then their wedding night. And Larry's like, no, no, shut up, shut up. You know, he's like cutting short the interview. And Leon's like, one more. He's like, no, not one more. <laughs> um, and Larry offers Ernst and Valentina two guest rooms. And they kind of take a. I don't know what Larry's implication was in offering these, and they're very offended at it too that they wouldn't sleep together. I don't know why he felt like he had to offer it to them either. What what was the deal with that? Like, I guess like he just didn't know because he's assuming that with the uh, the wardrobe scene and how they are acting towards each other and acting or asking how long they've been married to each other he doesn't think they're actually married he thinks yeah. that he thinks that Ernst is gay he thinks that right. Valentina is just using Ernst to be married maybe to be in the country maybe right that's so he's what asking, I, I was he's asking like okay they're not actually together they're gonna sleep separately the Ernst being gay thing definitely i picked up on a little bit but it's not driven home all the way i mean the the do they make that bag for men is kind of a little shot at that you know maybe him getting along with the wardrobe master was kind of another little uh but you that know, only shot comes up that. once which is weird like i thought there was going to be more to that more to him and the wardrobe master yeah yeah it, it, it was like he was like oh i would like to try something turquoise on and he's like oh i'll go get that for you or whatever uh, maybe it was just to plant those little seeds in in the audience's mind like but again you know curb does this they like go halfway with an idea and then we're, we're forced to go i think this is what they meant and then it's like well i i don't know i mean i i, I appreciate when a tv show lets me do a little of the heavy lifting but not you know let me know your intentions you know what i mean like let me know if i got it right there's no way to know like so because they were very offended at the implication of, of two guest rooms, like we're a married couple, we sleep in the same bed. And and the other thing was that they're not hotel people, they're Airbnb people. The other thing about a hotel is you're in one room. Maybe the thing about an Airbnb is you get separate rooms. You know, you can get a two bedroom Airbnb or whatever. Um, so maybe that's also what Larry was thinking. Like, obviously, you don't like one room. So maybe that's it. Maybe two rooms. Uh, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that all ties into what we're thinking here. And so Larry's like, oh, I know plenty of married couples that sleep in separate rooms. Ernst is like, can you name some? He's like, yeah, I'll name. Yeah, sure. I guess. Yeah, definitely. He's like, uh, Pete Rose. And then he like rattles off <laughs> as as Ernst says. So you told me six old baseball players who <laughs> sleep separately from their wives, including the hit king, which is Pete Rose still holds the record. I was uh, interested enough to Google and find out for, uh, you know, most hits. Uh, in the MLB, uh, but I like that he called like six old baseball players who don't sleep in the same bed as their wives. <laughs> um, and Larry's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ernst and Valentina are not on Larry's good side because they're unimpressed with his auto blinds. He has a remote that can make the blinds in his uh, living room go up and down. They also do not like Larry's apology for assuming anything about their relationship, like they might sleep in separate beds. And they uh, think his apology for that was was not commensurate with the offense. So over at uh, Jeff and Susie's gigantic mansion, 
Larry is, you know, taking the tour. I mean, there's like the the kitchen's like bigger than my whole house. And then they go into a living room with like a bar that would be too big for most restaurants and this huge like sitting area. I mean, this place was was really impressive. Like it, it made me want a mansion. Yeah, this was this even was more than huge. I already do. It, it, it looked <laughs> it looked like a, a very, very nice restaurant had just been cleared out yeah. of all their tables. Yeah, they had a full fucking bar. Yeah, that bar went like all the way down a 100 foot wall. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think the living room was like more square footage than my house. And Larry offers a heartfelt promise to Susie that he won't miss. I've watched Susie grow up and blossom into this young woman, and I, I wouldn't miss this for the world. And Susie's like, Are you serious? He's like, Nah. But I'll be there. Don't worry, I'll be there. <laughs> but the heartfelt thing about it was was not not accurate. And that's when Chet Hayes comes in with his parents, uh, Lisa and Paul, who are deaf. And they're waiting for Funkhauser once again so they can't eat dinner. And so they're, they're kind of making some small talk with Larry, who thinks he can improve on American Sign Language. He could come up with better signs than they actually use in ASL. Paul, uh, you know, is, is just kind of making fun of him along with Susie. Paul, though, is super interested as, you know, Larry is talking to... Um, who was it, Jeff, about the sign, the signer that they hired. Uh, he's making the sign for, like, a gigantic breasts, and Paul is really into that story. He wants to hear more about the big bosoms. Uh, but Funkhauser comes <laughs> in, and he has the best apology Larry has ever heard. He is so remorseful about what he has done, and he can't apologize enough, and he, he won't stop saying it. If there's anything I can do to make it up, and Larry is just like, I mean, they end up, like, hugging at the end of the apology. Larry uh, loves this apology. He feels it's commensurate with the offense of being as late as Funkhauser was. And Paul, as they walk into dinner, tells his wife, Lisa, he thinks they should hire an interpreter for the wedding, which Lisa thinks is a good idea. And Paul is now excited about the breasts he's going to see. <laughs> uh, so back at the theater, Larry rewrote the scene. So now Salmon is being kicked out of the house for being an outfit tracker to his hosting family. And F. Murray Abraham watches from the wings, not pleased that this interaction is now a part of the script. And he feels like he's being made fun of. So back at home, Ernst and Valentina are blasting music. Larry and Leon have no idea what's going on. They're burning incense. Invited guests show up. And Larry knows what's going on. They're swinging. They are swinging in his house, having a big old sex party. Uh, the next morning, clothes and bottles and garbage just strewn everywhere. Larry's coveted blinds remote has been, you know, dropped in a, a drink and it doesn't even work anymore. It's all broken. Larry, uh, Leon says that he wishes he would have been invited to the orgy because there was like 15 people there. I like that it was an odd numbered orgy. I appreciated that little joke. I think that's funny having uh, an odd number of people at an orgy. That's just. <laughs> just. You just know. one guy sitting in the cuck chair. Yeah, either someone's left out or it's a two-on-one situation. You know, I mean, it, it, imagine it just... being imagine being the cuck to an entire orgy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I'll just um, get anybody want drink. I guess I'll head to the kitchen. <laughs> I don't know. Anybody? Anybody need anything? Just, just like the Mean Girls mom from uh, from the yeah. uh, movie fifteen years ago. Anybody need anything? A drink? A condom? Stay hydrated, people. Stay hydrated. It's very important. He, so Leon, Larry's like, I wasn't a part of it. Um, and 
Leon's like, oh, I, I thought you might have been sleep fucking. And I like, Larry, I can barely handle wake fucking. I'm not going to be sleep fucking. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And Larry has to get ready to go to paintball. He can't, you know, clean up the house right now. Uh, and he can't wear his favorite pants either because F. Marie Abraham already saw him in him. And he's, you know, a- an outfit tracker. So he's got to wear this other... Even though he's got like 60 pairs of pants in this giant walk-in closet, Leon picks out another pair that just happened to be too big for him to wear to paintball. Uh, when Larry shows up to the paintball range, he asks for $500 back from Cody, who calls him a prick and says that he is not going to be returning the money. F. Murray Abraham feels insulted by the new kitchen scene and that their outfit tracking conversation has made it in. He feels judged by Larry, and now he's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I, I can't do anything because I'm worried it's going to, you know, be laughed at as part of this script. So you've like put this, you know, mental block on me. He accuses Larry of Murray tracking. You're a Murray tracker. Lin-Manuel Miranda yells at Larry about asking for money back from Cody. Larry yells back at Lin-Manuel Miranda about these house guests and how they're swingers and that he didn't tell him. And Lin-Manuel thought that not hotel people did all the work of that, which I totally disagree. I told you they weren't hotel people. <laughs> that means swingers. Like, no, that, that means swingers, no. obviously. No, if you prefer a house over a hotel, that does not mean you're a swinger. <laughs> uh, so, the, so paintball is just devolving now. And Larry has, uh, you know, I, I like the line where he's like, house guests don't, do the things they do. They don't invite over people to have a big sex party. You tiptoe. You ask for fridge. You know, you ask to use the fridge and stuff like that. And I like Lin Manuel. He's like, "Well, I'm never going to go over to your house." Um, he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm so upset that I'm not going to be able to go over there and tiptoe and maybe get refrigerator privileges <laughs> and play mahjong." Can't forget that was the other thing he said guests do. Yeah, what you do to take up time is play mahjong. Yeah, (laughs) maybe get fridge privileges and play mahjong. (laughs) Then he calls. I forget what what how this comes up, but he's like Larry expects expected a a gesture or something like that to thank him, and and he calls him a no. Lin Manuel calls Larry a gesture rescinding motherfucker uh, over not wanting the house guests at. at his house and Larry insults his family at which point Lin-Manuel takes a glove off and challenges him to a duel a la Hamilton of course and I bet this was a lot funnier as I was watching it this whole thing play out I'm like (laughs) I bet this was funnier as Hamilton fever was like gripping the nation like now it's just kind of funny but I bet a parody of Hamilton was just funnier I think it was it was still pretty funny and I think funny I'll agree I, I think it works better now that we're separated from Hamilton Fever. I feel like this yeah. almost would have gotten lost in the buzz during Hamilton Fever. Then maybe I mean that it, maybe Larry thought it was, cl- maybe it's not as clever. You know, maybe it, or or it it was super clever at the time and some of that cleverness has worn off. The funniness remains, but that like, hey, get this, it's a parody of Hamilton, yeah, you know, like that I, thing everyone's talking about. I would agree with that. I would agree with you on that. I think that's that's probably what I what I mean by funnier at the time. Like, Everyone, like, wanted their Hamilton parody to be, hey, look, we're doing the thing, like, the thing everyone loves. Like, okay, yeah, no, that's very nice. It's very nice, but it's funny, too. It's funny, too. Uh, So Cody, in a very um, Ron Swanson way, knows all of the rules of a duel and presides over the official (laughs) duel. Which is great, by the way. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, all the rules, and, like, they have a second, and they, they get a chance to apologize while still saving face, and... Um, but it's at this point as the duel is starting and they're taking their 10 steps, the wedding starts as well. And Larry is not there. 
he as he as he you know gets to ten and turns to shoot, Larry's pants fall down and he accidentally shoots Lin Manuel Miranda directly in the throat. <laughs> I mean, in, in the mouth, like down the throat, not like yeah, not, in yeah. in the mouth between the teeth, <laughs> down the throat, and he's yeah. spitting up blue paint as he's struggling to say your burr, your burr, yeah. your burr. I'm not Aaron Burr. I'm not Burr. <laughs> Larry said Larry says he was going to shoot up in the air but his pants fell down and he accidentally pulled the trigger and wasn't even looking but happened to get the perfect shot on Manuel uh and so at the wedding the large-breasted interpreter comes out and again distracts everybody from Richard Lewis to every, every single every single <laughs> yeah. man in the crowd including uh including the groom yeah including who Sammy catches like like <laughs> Uh, craning his neck almost 180 degrees. Yes, yeah. And uh, and the efficient, I like that he was like, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't take a moment, uh, Victor, to thank you for your service. So that was included in the, uh, in the uh, <laughs> uh, ceremony, which I thought was hilarious. But yeah, everybody is staring at the interpreter until Susie gets up and kicks her out. She's like, that's enough. Go cover up kicks out the interpreter ted danson was even caught looking by cheryl uh so yeah everybody was uh, everybody was getting an eyeful in an ambulance larry is apologizing to lin-manuel miranda you know hopefully giving one that's commensurate with the offense of shooting him directly in the adam's apple i mean not even adam's apple um because i would i would imagine you know he shot him in the um uvula shot him, that's shot what i'll him say da- shot, shot him down the throat shot him down yeah he deep throated larry's ball <laughs> <laughs> Even better than it was a blue ball. Yeah. Oh, and he he apologizes for falling asleep uh, during Hamilton as well. Does explain that it's kind of Lin Manuel's fault that he fell asleep during Hamilton because he hurt his shoulder wrestling him, and that's why he had to take the pain <laughs> pill. But uh, he then he tries to divert the ambulance to Sammy's wedding, but the driver was hilarious. He's like, "This ain't a fucking Uber. This is an ambulance." I'm not driver gonna... was very good at this. He, he had some of the best uses of the F word of the whole series. It was, he used it so well in each once in each sentence. Um, and even at the end as Larry, like, he's like, Oh, okay. 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 He's like, fuck. <laughs> like, like it just said so much in that one little, uh, I thought it was hilarious. And so he's like, Oh, you know what? I'll, I'm going to make a call. And he calls Marie Deschamps and says that he has a job for her. Good old Jenny Johnson. Good old Jenny Johnson, he gives a call. Uh, And at the reception, no one knows where Larry is, but he said he was going to give a speech. And that's when, by the way, I wrote down at this point, like, what are we? It's 2017 and nobody still has a cell phone. Although right that the second after I wrote that, Jeff's like, yeah, I called him again. He didn't answer. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they took care of that. All right. I guess guess he knew it was around this time people were going to be asking. There we go. Yeah. You get to 2017 and it's (laughs) indefensible to not call someone first. Yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) Um, And Marie arrives with Larry David's speech and starts delivering it. And I like Funk's line to (laughs) Cheryl. She's like, what is he's like, her name's Marie. Larry rents her. (laughs) (laughs) That was fucking really good. Doesn't say hires her, rents no, her. Larry rents her. her. <laughs> yeah, that was. By the way, Funk had another hilarious scene-ending line, and you could. I, I would imagine it was an improv because they were like kind of not sure. It seemed like how to end the scene where Funk shows up after Marie has stood in for him, and Larry goes, "Oh, so yeah, what's going on?" And Funkhauser goes, "The colonoscopy." 
clean as a whistle. <laughs> I was like, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> Dinner time, first conversation on the dot. Like, first topic, my colonoscopy. My colonoscopy. First, doc- first on the docket, yeah. <laughs> clean as a whistle. And, and Cheryl also knows the speech that Larry's going to give. She's like, if I could offer you two words that'll help you in a successful <laughs> marriage. And Cheryl says them at the exact same time, separate bathrooms. Have we heard this before? I feel like it maybe was. I don't know. Was it like actually. At, at some other wedding? Like maybe the one where he's wearing the bow tie or, or something? Like, I don't know. She she just seemed to know Larry's joke so well. I appreciated that. Um, having, you know, as a one time old married couple, like he's going to say the separate bathrooms joke. Here we go. Uh, but Susie gets up and ends the whole speech before Marie can continue even a little bit more. Uh, what did she say as she left, though, by the way? She, she says something. To, oh, to Susie know. and yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't know if you caught it, but I didn't care enough to rewind I and turn not. on the, the yeah. stuff. Uh, so over at O plus O Sicilian Kitchen and Bar, or maybe it's O and O. I don't know. Uh, Sicilian Kitchen and Bar. It was at seventeen oh five Ocean Avenue. It opened in uh, Santa Monica there in twenty sixteen. Closed in January of twenty eighteen. The article I found said it was a challenging location with like basically no foot traffic. So. Uh, closed down. Maybe that was why it was so easy to shut down in, in the middle of its tenure there and, and shoot a whole restaurant scene there. Jeff and Susie are there with Marty Funkhauser and Leon and Larry. Jeff says, well, Lynn says his doctors are going to be, he's going to be fine in six months, but he's done with Fatwa. He's moving on. He's not going to do it anymore. He's doing other projects and all the investors lost money. Richard, um, Marty Funkhauser lost a ton. He said, Jeff, lost so much that he said that they're going to have to sell the house. And Susie tells him in no uncertain terms, we're not selling the house. <laughs> and Jeff, Jeff did remark earlier in the episode how, you know, he screwed himself literally into this house, like just, just to have some sex. And now I own this mansion. Like what an, it- I'm an and idiot. He, he fucking hates this mansion too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I get because it's, he just has to keep fucking his wife. That's, that's the whole thing that he was saying yesterday but that that had more to do with the cowboy hat and the bolo tie i the, i'm not really picking up sex one. Is, he had to buy the mansion for the sex with the realtor that was the sex he was talking about he well yes like, but like yeah, why yeah. does he hate the mansion is it just because he's going broke paying for it i think that's yeah i think it's i think it is out of his price range and i think he's pissed that it it just came out of an affair just to not get caught having an affair is uh and now he he's like millions of dollars sunk in this giant mansion that you know again their only daughter is getting married they don't have any pets or anything it's the two of them <laughs> they in don't the biggest need, house in the world they, they didn't yeah. need to expand their yeah. real estate footprint yeah i think he's in over his head i think he's underwater and it, it was just to like bang a realtor and that's it and he's like i'm an idiot just for some sex and i own this giant house and they're not selling that. But Funkhauser does track Larry's outfit. Although, he's like, didn't you wear that sweater yesterday? And it's kind of like one of those jacket sweaters. Like, you can't say to somebody, hey, didn't you wear that jacket yesterday? It's like, yeah, that's my jacket. Everybody has, like, a winter jacket. You can wear it every day. Like, Larry's wearing this, like, over, not an overcoat, but it's like a light jacket that you might throw on over a shirt if there's a little nip in the air or something. Um, I, I would I would make it, I would, it would fall under jacket to me. And plus, like, who washes their sweaters every single time like you're not supposed to i don't think yeah no um, it's you're gonna ruin the yeah, sweater if you do that exactly that's what i figure i remember one time like sarah i, I don't know maybe the maybe the sweaters aren't super high quality because you get some from like uh stitch fix and stuff like that you mm. know she, she'll wash her sweaters and stuff and even put them in the dryer and like nothing ever happens to them except one wow. time 
Yeah, I know. That's I'm impressive. always amazed. I'm like, you put this in the dryer, and it like we we do them on we do everything on low heat, but it's still. I'm like, I put a t-shirt in the dryer, and all of a sudden, yeah, I, it's I can't wear it anymore. M- this most recent time that I did laundry, I so, sorry, I don't. I, I didn't mean to interrupt your story. You finish your story, and then I'll get on with mine. Just a ba- just a basic normal laundry fuck up. Like she comes into the the living room one time. She's like, look at this. She's holding like a, a little sweater. I'm like, what is it? Is that Colleen's? She's like. No, this is mine. It was like a little baby <laughs> sweater. I was like, oh my, I have never seen anything shrink to like cartoon levels before. But it was like an adult human sweater. And then yeah. it was like this tiny little baby sweater. I was like, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I like life is a cartoon in this moment. It was hilarious. Okay. So yeah, last time that I did laundry, I washed all my jeans and I I made the um, uh, decision. I'm like, I'm done drying my jeans in the dryer. I, I'm sick of them, like, feeling like they're shrinking. I'm sick of them, like, I don't know, uh, being skin tight. Mm-hmm. And I decided, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to hang dry all of them. Well, every single pair feels awful after yeah. hang drying them. It, they feel, like, completely, like, filled of starch. Rough and, and stiff, they're, yeah. They're so stiff. They're yeah. so stiff. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't even know what to do. Do I just dry them on the lowest heat setting possible? To Do I run the dryer for three hours for just pants? <laughs> I don't Maybe uh, drying them outside? Maybe that would do something? We don't have a clothesline. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I experience the same thing whenever I, I will sometimes, you know, air dry my my jeans on a rack um and but i kind of like jeans coming out of the dryer in that first the first few days because like i said i wear them wear the same pair of jeans every day that first few days where they're like almost like new you know and then you break them in a little bit and you're like oh now they're kind of like you know now they're loose again so everyone gets their food except Susie, and they all start eating and as larry is leaving a swarthy guy as i'll say i like that credit from um the running with the bulls episode uh, that's how they describe the you know arab looking guy instead of saying arab looking so a swarthy guy yells out i know who you are and it's a guy i thought this was going to be a joke i thought it was going to be you know hey you dropped something or whatever but no this guy is literally the situation that jeff was talking about earlier he has not heard that the fatwa has been lifted and so he starts chasing larry david as frolic starts to play <laughs> Larry even yeah. tries yelling out. He's like, no, they called the fatwa off. It's done. It and he's like, you expect me to believe that? I'm like, yeah. uh, I mean, yelling, you're, you're an not infidel. Gonna, yeah. You're not going to believe the guy saying, no, they called it off. Of course yeah, you're not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I don't know how you check that. So yeah. <laughs> it's not, you can't. There's no newsletter. I, I'm, I'm assuming you can't just go to fatwa.com and, yeah. and Larry's photo is just all of a sudden not at the top of the page <laughs> of uh, number one most wanted. Yeah, exactly. Although that would be helpful. You know? That would be very helpful. America's Tim, most I think you just gave them a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Organize, you guys. Come on. You should have a website. It's, I mean, ISIS has a lot of, you know, oh, social Jesus media presence, right? Like, don't, they have, don't they do a lot on message boards and websites and stuff? Oh, God. You guys can get it together. Um, <laughs> so Frolic starts to play, and that's the end of the episode. Be like ISIS. That's what you should get from this. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, all right, Tim. Uh, what do we got for homework this week? 
Well, I did notice in the credits, because I always try to watch them, um, I did notice, first of all, there's like a ton of actual singers and dancers and stuff who are a part of Fatwa the Musical that get credit in this, which I, I think is pretty cool. I bet if you look them up, you've, they've probably gone on to, to be in a bunch of cool stuff. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll take a look at the you know, IMDb credit list um, next week. But I noticed during the credits, there is a producer of Curb Your Enthusiasm named Michelle Deschamps, spelled no exactly way. the same way. All right. Yeah. Michelle is M Y C H E L L E, but they used her last name. Yeah, as we've, I think we've seen that a couple times on the show where they, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. More Um, so on Seinfeld, I think that we've seen that. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, Jerry named this guy after whatever. Yeah. And wasn't there an Alec Berg character? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's got a great John Houseman name, Alec Berg. (laughs) That's right. We had no idea. And I've already, (laughs) I'm sure we looked it up, already forgotten who John Houseman is and why he sounded like that. Um, but yeah, yeah. I remember there was like a church or something that had the last name of somebody on, um, on Curb Your Enthusiasm. And then of course, I don't think it's a character's name, but the other crew master that I know is Dort Clark, who I think, uh, is just like played an extra in an episode. <laughs> Good old Dort. Um, no, but we don't have any homework besides that. Okay. You know. Well, uh, what do you like for cover art this week? Hmm. I mean, the, the sort of opening number of Fatwa the Musical is kind of cool with Lin-Manuel and, and the Ayatollah, uh, you know, with Salman and, and the Ayatollah. And, like, they had they had two different sets, and they'd, like, turn the lights on here, and they'd turn the lights on there. and But that was kind of cool, um, kind of a cool shot of them. Maybe something with the duel, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a great shot of Lynn and, and Larry dueling. That might be a good one, too. Yeah, I, I really like the shot of them in the ambulance together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they've cleaned off a lot of the blue paint, but what they've left was, but, like, but you just still, genius. You still see a yeah. little bit, and... Just that photo doesn't really give anything away. You're just wondering, why is yeah. Larry riding in an ambulance with Lin-Manuel Miranda? What happened? Why is his face blue? Was he blowing a Smurf? Yeah, exactly. That's... Jesus. You don't know. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Could what? be. It, it's after 1030. This is the adult <laughs> tour. We can say whatever the hell we want. Do any of these Smurfs... Smurf jizz. You know, jizz, like a Smurf cum shot. <laughs> Big fat load of Smurf then. Jeez. <laughs> uh, just Smurf right down your throat. Anyway, <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I'll see if I can make yeah. either of those work. Let's see what we can do about this week's description. So we had season nine finale, period. Larry has a scheduling conflict, comma, takes issue with some work associates, comma, and hosts a pair of ungrateful house guests. I do hate the middle part. I mean, he he has he takes an issue with Cody when he tries to pay him off, and he takes issue with Lynn because he's not giving good enough thank yous. But God, I don't know how to make it better. Takes issue with oh, and and um, F. Murray Abraham. He's got the God. There's so many of them that maybe that is the best way to. It is a lot of people. It I mean, is... maybe we just, maybe we take out coworkers and we like put in put in something about the musical at least to make it a little bit more you know owned by takes, this own the plot takes a little bit more issue. Takes issue with the Fatwa crew. I mean, you'd have to say cast and crew because it's F. Murray takes, Abraham Takes too. issue with the cast and crew. Yeah, I mean, what can we say instead of takes issue? And we could even say like his musicals cast and crew or something like that because Fatwa exclamation point is in the is the title and takes issue. I don't know. Not argues with. Hang on, someone's knocking on the door. Yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was my cat. I thought it was Declan. <laughs> my, the cat was using a ball to, like, knock on the door. Oh, my God. Okay. Goodbye. 
I was like, God, someone wants to come in. Who is it? And there's like just a cat sitting there. Well, uh, <laughs> synonyms for argue, quarrel, disagree, squabble, bicker, fight, wrangle, dispute, feud. I don't hate dispute horns. and squabble. Locks horns I kind of like because that, that almost like brings us close to the duel that locks horns. Dissent, um, clash, differ. I like clash. Clash, Larry, and it, yes. And it's short. Larry clashes with his musicals cast and crew. Yes. And it's a triple C. Clashes, cast, and crew. I like it. Let's 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 print it. Okay. Season uh get rid of season five, nine finale. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Larry has a scheduling conflict, comma, clashes with his cast and clashes with his musicals cast and crew, comma, at get rid of that second comma, Oxford comma, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and hosts a pair of ungrateful house guests. Yeah. I'm fine with it. And honestly, like, like you could take the house guests out and because that is how he clashes with Lynn, but I'm fine with leaving it. But you almost it almost is covered by that middle one. But but we can leave it. Yeah, I well, we'll leave it. Why not? Yeah, we'll leave it. Why not? We'll leave it. We'll leave we'll it. Leave it. We'll leave it. <laughs> All right, Tim. But that's this week's episode description in our own human effort to try and make it better. Let's see what AI can do though with curb your enthusiasm. Here we go from Chat GPT. Please. Write a synopsis of episode 10, the season finale of season 9 of Curb Your Enthusiasm, Fatwa. In the season 9 finale of Curb Your Enthusiasm, titled Fatwa, Larry David faces the consequences of the fatwa declared against him. I mean, they're not wrong. It spoils the end of the episode, Mm -hmm. but the episode explores Larry's attempts to reconcile with Ayatollah, the Iranian religious leader who issued the fatwa. Now, it doesn't happen. It happened last, yeah. Uh, Larry, ever embroiled in social dilemmas, must navigate the complexities of dealing with the fatwa while continuing his usual misadventures. The comedic elements revolve around Larry's unique approach to handling the situation and the absurdity of the fatwa itself. As with many Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes, fatwa blends humor with social commentary, offering a satirical take on contemporary issues. God damn, that's fucking awful. That's pretty bad. bad. They took like... They took like one thing that they kind of know happens in in this season of Curb, and they were like, "And the fatwa against him does this, and he does this because of the fatwa." They just basically explained what a person would go through if they are if if a fatwa is declared on them. That's it. Like, yeah. Curb your enthusiasm exactly. aside, this is just here's what happens if a person has a fatwa declared on them. Yeah, it's it'd be complex dealing with the fatwa while continuing your usual misadventures. That's that's it. That's kind of it. Yeah, honestly, that's kind of like the se- the season synopsis they kind of nailed, but <laughs> but not really. I'm not even going to give it that much credit. So All there right. we go. Well, Tim, did you like this episode? I think I did. I I, I think I might have to give it another star low. Um, I again, I I don't know why. I would give it a star low. I liked it better than the Shucker, and, and mm-hmm. for a season finale, it wrapped it up really well. And there were lots of funny lines in it as we went over. Um, it, you know, they they brought this season in for a nice a, a nice landing. Um, and so I think it deserves a star low, but I doubt it'll make my top three. What about you? Um, I really enjoyed this episode, and yeah. I am going to give this a full star. Which means I am going to have a hard time picking a top three for season nine, I think. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, because I, I don't remember what I gave last episode because uh, this episode and last episode, I didn't have time to really do notes on, which is uh, unfortunate for me because that's how I remember what episodes right. I liked. Yeah. Um, 
But looking back uh, from season eight prior, anyway, I gave a full star to Never Wait for Seconds. I gave a full oh. star to A Disturbance in the Kitchen. I gave a rising star, a rising full star to The Pickle Gambit. And I gave right. a star low to Foisted. So if I give a full star to Fatwa, and it turns out that I gave a full star to the Shucker, I'm gonna I'm gonna have some trouble. I might have to pick between these two star lows because I was looking back and I thought I already had three stars, but I guess I was pretty critical of this season because I have. Okay. I also have a star wow. for the Pickle Gambit. Um, I did not give a star to Foisted. I don't know where episode three is. Oh, wait. I have a star low, though. I have a star low for a disturbance in the kitchen, which might bump into the number three spot just because of Rich Vulture being in it. And I have a, a another full star for the accidental text on purpose. So I think I only have two full stars. And oh, no, wait. Never wait for seconds. I'm there good. Go. I got I think I got all my full stars. So there you go. Well, we kind of um, flip flopped yeah. for season yeah. nine then. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we ran hot and cold on different episodes. It sounds like. uh all right well uh next week we've got season 10 episode one happy new year original air date january 19th 2020 i can't imagine anything yeah i can't imagine anything else bad happens in the year 2020 (laughs) but if you are looking in tv guide that night you are gonna see season 10 premiere period larry makes a new enemy and gets into hot water at a cocktail party larry makes a new enemy that's kind of exciting. Right. And gets into hot water um, at a cocktail party. Not, not bad either. I, I bet we can make that. I bet we can think of a better word than hot water. But we'll see. Yeah. Maybe we can. I, I, I wanted to ask this in the run of the episode, uh, but I, I'm afraid of the answer. Uh, is this the final episode we get with Bob Einstein? Oh, I don't know. Because it, we skipped from 2017 to 2020. I don't know. I'm sure IMDb will make a note of that because they let us know before. Did he die in... 2021 or in 2020 he, i mean oh he, he died in died, 2019 he died january 2nd of 2019 i think this, well, this yeah. was the last episode then jeez Fuck. you might be right unless unless they recorded it over a year in advance of its air date which i know but possible not likely but right yeah i mean man, they could have recorded it and, and hbo was like well we're gonna hold on to it until we have this you know whatever um because yeah if, if he died in january of 2019 that's tough yeah but yeah, wow. The last episode. And he had, I mean, he had some great lines, so as he, he always does. He did. As he always does. <laughs> a great episode to go out on if we had, if, if, it, if it is the case, but we hope it's not. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, obviously, I've never seen this episode, so I'm excited about starting season 10, and we don't have to wait three years to do it. Uh, and so that's nice. Uh, is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.